1: To convincing the world that travel food film was not only possible but necessary to survive.
0: Your grotesque nightmares unleashed tonight on Triple Threat Theater, Episode 78, Shapeless Death. I'm Joe Daxberger.
1: I'm Ryan Miller, and uh Dax, what did we do to deserve such great luck?
0: You know, Mills, um, <laughs> Sometimes I like to mention the buttery essence of Triple Threat Theater. <laughs> you know, just like the, just just what, what, why we do these things we do. And it's like episodes like tonight. Could have been anything. Could have been anything. But it ended up being Shapeless Death. Shapeless Death, Milsey. We've got 1982's The Thing. Mm. 1985's The Stuff. Mm. 1988's The Blob. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like the goo that kills.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, seeing all three of these, these are all favorites of mine of varying degrees. I mean, the the stuff is the first of these that I ever saw. And um, I don't remember. I've probably told some version of this story before, but when I was very young, a schoolyard friend of mine named Carla her grandfather owned the little mom and pop video store in the tiny ass town that I live in and um Carla's mom ran the place and since we were friends and we were both into like scary stuff even at a young age basically my parents gave the go-ahead that this place didn't have, like, the room with the beaded curtain with porn in it. It had a room with the beaded curtain with the horror movies in it. Amazing. And my parents gave the okay for me to go into that room and rent stuff out of there, even though Ooh. I was... I mean, we're talking young. <laughs> like, I was friends with Carla as far back as, like, kindergarten. Um, So, like, elementary school. And... The movies that I explicitly remember renting repeatedly is like kind of a random grouping, but uh, they previously reviewed Deep Star Six, uh-huh. Preach. uh, Critters Two, not the first one, but Critters Two, Holla. and The Stuff. These are like the movies that I explicitly remember renting over and over and over again. And um, Carla was also a fan of The Stuff, and for many years she was the only other person i knew in the world who knew what that movie was or had seen it Mm -hmm. and um like nowadays i feel like within kind of the nerdy horror circles and like physical media collectors and horror con goers the stuff is very well known uh but i remember like i think it was around the time i was in high school former guest of the show Brian and another mutual friend of ours hadn't seen the stuff and it's a movie that I used to bring up and talk about like oh there's this movie where there's this white goo that comes out of the ground that people (laughs) eat it and it turns them into zombies and like people would look at me like they I was crazy and um like at the time uh I I don't even remember if I had the internet yet at the time but I remember going to Barnes Noble and like asking a person in the like movie section like back when they had a fucking movie section, which they really don't anymore (laughs) and asking like, Hey, there's this movie called the stuff. Is it on DVD? And they were like, yeah, we can order it for you. And I like ordered a copy of the stuff through Barnes and Noble. And then I hadn't seen it in like, you know, well over a decade myself at that point, but then sat down with uh, Brian and our other friend and watched it and uh, like rediscovered it. I I don't know what they thought really, but (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: it's an unusual film for sure. I feel like discussion-wise, you know, it comes up enough with you, the stuff, but uh, it was on heavy rotation in the Daxberger household. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen this many times, actually, along with the blob as well. Both, again, I don't have the that elephant memory like you do, but <laughs> it felt more like we would just have tapes, you know, we would have... Uh, plenty of vhs's that had been taped from other things or you know a couple movies to a tape like so many as so many of us had oh yeah
1: put that thing on slp and you could get three movies on there
0: oh forget it (laughs) so the stuff and the blah, but even the stuff it would be the same for me that'd be the first one i saw for sure going way back i actually it's funny i like kind of distinct memories of always like always enjoying horror movies monster movies but like Finding a odd combo of the stuff and invaders from Mars like enthralling mm. and disturbing because I think like my young lizard brain, I always like kind of expected those things to be easily real, so I always like kind of found that stuff starting I don't know if it gave me nightmares or what, but um anytime I see anything from the stuff and invaders from Mars, it just like kind of always brings me back to like childhood memories of just watching stuff yeah
1: i didn't see invaders from mars until sometime like within the last eight to ten years i would say it's Mm -hmm. one of those ones that i i never saw when i was younger only caught up with more recently the blob i know i saw relatively young um, and i've always been a fan Uh, i don't have a specific memory of the first time i saw that one Mm
0: -hmm. i just
1: know that like the scene that always stuck out to me when I was younger, like the the thing that jumped into my head when I thought about that movie was the dude getting sucked down the the sink drain. <laughs> just oh, cause. really? That's fucking oh, it's fucking insane.
0: yeah. It's always uh, Bobby or whatever in the doctor's office, you know? Uh, Paul, I think. Yeah,
1: that's mm-hmm. the one for me now, just because of how fucking gruesome and horrifying it yeah. is. But I think just the Stop. idea of an entire human body being sucked down a a drain <laughs> pipe. <laughs> was mm-hmm. uh, was what uh, really grabbed me back in the in my younger years and then um the thing for me uh that's one that I saw for the first time when I was in middle school there was a series of books like uh, meant for younger readers for like children they, they had like bigger printing and i remember that they were um like the covers were orange and black Primarily, and they were like books about horror movies, and uh, they weren't like really thick books. And they had them at our local library, and because I was into that stuff, because I grew up watching like Ghostbusters and Little Shop of Horrors, I would always borrow those from the library. And they had like ones about vampires, and they had ones about like uh, Frankenstein, and then they there was one that had King Kong on the cover, and then I think there was one that was about like aliens. And, um, mm-hmm. like I would, I don't even know if I read them, but I would like flip through them at a youngish age. And so I remember seeing a picture of the, uh, the Norris creature, not the head with the spider legs, but the one that like jumps up and clings to that mm-hmm. like vent on the ceiling,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like a close up of that face. But I never knew what it was. Like, I couldn't have told you at the time what movie that was from, but I just thought it was cool looking. And then, uh you know, I got into comic books at some point in like the mid early to mid nineties. And my dad used to take me to these little hotel ballroom, like one day comic shows in Tyson's corner, Virginia. And, uh, I would walk in there with like 20, $40 and go through all the like quarter and 10 cent boxes and walk out with like stacks of books. And that's like where the bulk of my original comic collection began. And, So, like, I was always reading Alien and Predator comics, which were monster movie-related things put out by Dark Horse. And so I remember one con. I found both issues of the first Dark Horse comic book series based on the thing called The Thing from Another World. It was, like, a painted sequel to the movie that takes place, like, the day after the movie ends. Mm. And um, before I'd even read it, I was, like, showing my dad in the car on the drive home what I had gotten And when he saw the cover of one of those comics, he was like, oh, that's a movie. And I was like, oh, really? So, like, we stopped at Blockbuster on the way home from the con and rented it. (laughs) And uh, I remember the first time I watched it, it was, like, the middle of the day. So, like, the sun was out. It wasn't, like, dark and scary. But I was in the basement because we had, like, a finished room in the basement. And I was sitting down there on the couch by myself watching the movie and, like, the standout memory, like, it was recent enough that I can remember my first time watching it, which I can't say for a lot of my, like, favorite classic, like, monster movies and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The the scene that just blew my goddamn mind and, like, cemented that as, like, one of my favorite movies was The Defibrillator. And, like, ever since I watched Doc Copper shove his hands into a giant mouth in Norris's chest... I've just been a diehard fan, and to this day, The Thing is one of my all-time favorite movies.
0: Yeah, same. You know, I gotta be honest, I wish I could remember the first time I watched The Thing. I'm gonna say it's, as an adult, I mean, I got all the way, I'm gonna say 20s, late 20s even. (sighs) I feel like I'd have to ask, you know, friend of the show, Tony Sedani, I feel like he got me to watch it. But I'm not even sure. I mean, it could have even been the time of our friendship, Millsy, when I first saw it. I'm not even really sure. There. Yeah, I had not, uh, this just never came across in any way until I was, like, much later on in life. Um, it's even, like, one of those movies, like, sometimes I just, like, think, you know, think for fun. Like, what movie do I wish I could, like, wipe the memory of every time I want to watch it <laughs> so I could just experience it again? And, like, the thing is always towards the top of that idea the list yeah the hands down were my top favorite movies i love it i watch it yearly i watch it every halloween either the season Mm -hmm. or generally I the past few years i've been watching it that's like my thing i do on halloween night i just love it so i wish i could remember more about like well how i just i know i loved it at first sight you know like Mm -hmm. just enthralled with the whole thing as we'll get into but yeah um, yeah, much, much later in life for me, which is like nice too. Cause it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's one of those things. It's like when you, when you love something, when you're a kid, it's like, how can you distance yourself? I mean, sometimes I can, as you've, we've talked on the show before too. It's like, uh, enjoying things from our childhood still, or, you know, seeing all the flaws as an adult, but you know, watching the thing as an adult and just like really digging it. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's just a good feeling to have. I think one of the clear indicators for me
1: that I was a big fan of the thing when I saw it is that, uh, like, because I like to draw when I was a kid, like, if I saw a movie that I liked, then, like, the next, like, several pages of my sketchbooks would be filled with, like, mm-hmm. drawings inspired by that movie.
0: Mm-hmm. And I remember,
1: mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like I saw the movie U.S. Marshals in the theater with my dad, and I came home, and I was, like, kind of mimicking a scene from the, the movie... In, like, a comic where it was, like, people, like, in suits with guns chasing each other around a cemetery. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) yeah, the thing, kind of more so inspired by the comic than the movie itself, but I remember for a stretch there, in the the comic sequel that I mentioned, uh, there's these characters that are wearing, like, these white snow suits with, like, black visors, and they had these gloves That it was like mittens, but then their index finger and their thumb had separate fingers, but the other three fingers on the hand were like in a little mitten. And I was drawing so many guys with guns shooting monsters with those kind of mitten gloves with the index fingers separated. Like I just remember that. And that just says to me, like, yep, I was a fan of that because I kept drawing shit influenced by the movie.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, shit, Milzy, by all means, let's dive right in.
1: I mean, I almost feel like we could end the episode right there. I mean, we like all these movies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm
0: ready to do the Bye, Bar, Burn right now. At some point, I am uh, ready to speak on all three movies I love. I'll come right and say I love all three of these movies for different reasons, different
1: times in my life. Just to keep it from being, like, all gushing, we, like, each review, we try and come up with one thing we don't like about the movie. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I want to get into that, but... (laughs) Well, let's begin with film number one. From 1982, we have John Carpenter's The Thing.
0: I'm going to hide this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. The storm's been hitting us hard now for 48 hours. We still have nothing to go on. Another thing. I think it rips through your clothes when it takes you over. Windows found some shredded long Johns, but the name tag was missing. They could be anybody's. Nobody. Nobody trusts anybody now. We're all very tired. trust anybody now there's nothing else i can do just wait rj mccready helicopter pilot us outpost number 31
1: based on the novella who goes there by john w campbell jr from i think the 1930s mm-hmm. And uh, that was also the inspiration for the Howard Hawks film, The Thing from Another World, from the 50s. Which I just watched recently and it did enjoy. Oh, yeah. The, my favorite thing about that movie is the explanation that the creature is a giant carrot. Yep, love <laughs> it. And they have a scene where they tried to decide, hmm, how would you kill a giant carrot? Mm. You could fry it. You could saute it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so good. Just good old-fashioned, stupid, corny, (laughs) 50s B-monster movie stuff. Hysteria. Uh, Quickly, remind me, we went to a horror con once together. Yes. What did you buy that was the thing related there, or were you thinking about getting?
1: Uh, I picked it up. I think it's called uh, Cold Hell or Frozen Hell or something like that, which is that original novella, but expanded so i guess if i'm remembering correctly i haven't read that book i've read the original novella like years and years and years ago Mm -hmm. but the expanded one that i bought if i remember correctly john w campbell jr's kids like found like more scenes from the novella that the that campbell like cut out of it or like Outlines that made the story longer, or something, and they added them to it to like flesh it out. And then, because of the popularity of the thing, like released it as a it's still short, yeah, so I gotcha. guess it's still technically a novella, but mm-hmm. um, it was originally published in like one of those old like uh sci fi magazines, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. way back Star-log like, or something, something, yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's what it is. I haven't read that version but i i own it roger that
0: um we've got to keep ourselves under control so this doesn't just turn into a four-hour podcast about (laughs) the thing but i mean the movie's fantastic it deserves all the accolades it gets now it kind of like hurts my soul but i also find fascinating that it was like completely derided upon when it came out and is like a source like a point of contention for john carpenter i believe oh yeah still to which this is day. Like, such a <laughs> such a bummer yeah but you know i guess just adds to the the mythology or something of this movie because it's just a different time i guess and but thankfully it's uh you know is recognized now as being phenomenal
1: yeah it's just it's interesting that like when i first caught up with it It would have been probably the late 90s, and it hadn't quite reached that fever pitch of, like, oh, people actually know about this movie and and like it now. Mm -hmm. So I remember, like, introducing some friends to it, and then over the course of, like, the next couple of years, it just felt like all of a sudden, oh it's a thing now no, no pun intended that uh you know it's a it's like a cult film or whatever mm-hmm. and now it's pretty goddamn mainstream at this point but because i mean by um what year was it i think uh 2000, 2002 is when the video game came out for ps2 and xbox so like by that point it was already like kind of growing this like mainstream status mm-hmm. as like an actually good movie But, yeah, I mean, you can read all kinds of things about it. Who knows exactly why? But, like, you know, the movie came out the same summer as E.T., and so plenty of people have said, like, oh, people just wanted, like, cute, lovable aliens at that point. And then this movie comes out, and it's nihilistic, and it's anti-establishment, and, like, anti-authority, and... Pretty bloody and gross gross. and weird, and uh, so like it's maybe just not what people wanted to see. I don't know. I'm not you know knowledgeable enough about these things to know why, but like in my reading before this episode, I saw John Carpenter said at one point that you know America was in a recession at that point, which maybe hurt the movie. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But got bad reviews too, right? Didn't Cisco and or Ebert shit on it? Yeah, everybody just shit on it because it's like. It I like I read one little quote from someone who called it like the moron movie of the summer, Ugh. which like it seems like a lot of people were turned off by the gore, like the excessive gross and it's weird because like a lot of the quote unquote gore, it is like human body parts and stuff, but it's like a creature. So I know when I was younger, I never thought of it as like really gory, which maybe sounds silly. Because it wasn't like people having their stomachs cut open and guts falling out or something. It was like a monster that was made of human body parts.
0: But I get what people Yeah, mean. I think you that, know, that's not the general consensus. Yeah, yeah like... like when the
1: dog's face tears open and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But uh I'm I'm also just like the fucking weirdo who loved watching people get eaten by a giant flower when I was
0: six years old. I mean same here. I mean I, I <laughs> but um a little shop horror, so I get it.
1: But Yeah, by all accounts, like, people just thought it was too disgusting, and it was, like, a very dark and cynical movie, Mm -hmm. but then, yeah, I I guess that, like, the shock of the visuals and everything just kept people from seeing what everybody sees now is that it's, like, a really good suspenseful kind of mystery, and, um, like, it's a very tempered film in a manner of speaking like when the creature effects happen it's like really nutso and in your face but outside of that it's just like like quiet and unnerving
0: yeah i think the score plays into that a lot the score is like very understated and like amazing like whenever it kicks in just like that that kind of like bass hit just kind of kicks in throughout the movies just it's just so good doom doom yeah it's just like (laughs) it's so sparse and just fits Mm -hmm. It just like the movie feels cold like it should, you know?
1: Yeah. Apparently, John Carpenter, because he's a huge fan of the Howard Hawks movie, mm-hmm. he wanted to make the movie in black and white, but the studio was like, ain't no way in hell we're funding a black and white movie. <laughs> so him and the cinematographer, Dean Cundy, uh, decided to get as close as black and, to black and white as they could with color. So that's why like the entire interior of the outpost is like all shades of gray Mm. and so many of the props are gray and the guys are all wearing like dull earth tones and like gray and black clothing. And yeah, it creates along with just like the sound effects of the wind and like the visuals of the snow and everything and like the everyone's wearing like warm clothing. It, It gives this feeling of like it's a harsh, cold environment.
0: I'm curious. Um. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but like, what is your favorite part? <laughs> uh,
1: my favorite scene has still got to be the defibrillator scene. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick a single moment, it's Palmer's line, You got to be fucking <laughs> kidding. It's so good. <laughs> Which I have written into every comic book that I've made because <laughs> I love that line so much. <laughs> His delivery is amazing. It's just such a fucking funny moment. It's like as dark and fucked up as that movie is to have like a little scene of levity mm-hmm. where in a head walks away with spider legs and he says that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It just works for me so much. And he's the thing at that point, too, which just adds to it. Yeah, that's honestly
1: one of the things again no pun intended <laughs> that word's gonna come up a lot just by happenstance that's one of those things that like i know that hardcore fans of which there are a lot have spent a lot of time trying to figure out who is the thing
0: when mm-hmm. and for how long and um i mean off the top of my heads i feel like that's like one of the only points where i know for sure yeah he, is the thing he from a previous be. scene because it goes right into the interrogation which I mean, it's probably my favorite scene. Well, not even the interrogation. Yeah, I I mean, that's super iconic. Yeah, it's just uh, so good. The blood test. The blood test and just how quickly it, like, pops off, too. It's just, like, the perfect scene. I just love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things I don't get too in the weeds about. Like, I love the movie, but I've never felt the need to sit down and try and diagram, like, who's what and when. But that's a good point that you make that I've never really thought of is. So the whole thing is in that scene, my feeling on it. Because it is weird that Norris, who is the thing at that point, just like basically passes out like Mm -hmm. in the hallway when they're having a discussion, Mm -hmm. like he's having a heart attack or something. And you'd question, why did the thing do that? And I think the reason is that at this point, like the thing knows that the humans know about it. And it knows that they know that at least one of them is the thing, mm-hmm. and they're going to be trying to figure out who it is. So I think that it knew it, it had at least two people at that point, Palmer and Norris. And so one of them like exposed itself mm-hmm. to give the humans like the win that. so that the other one would potentially be able to hide in plain sight by like helping them kill it which is maybe why palmer points out that the head is getting I like away that. that makes a lot of sense i like that i mean i don't know if they put that much thought into it i have to imagine they did because it feels like it's a very tightly scripted yeah and edited Plus film it's like immediately yeah i like it would... but that's something that like when i was younger watching the movie over and over again i was like why does it why does it do this? Like, why does Norris, like,
0: pass out at this point? But, like, I feel like that's got to be the reason. Yeah, he just gets, like, knocked by, like, Mac. But, well, even before that, too, they're, like, showing him having, like, chest pains or whatever And like, the scene right before, too. it's Yeah. They definitely do, like, set it up for a reason, so. That's my only guess. No, I like it. But, uh I mean, it makes sense
1: to me. Because, at least in John Carpenter's film, not to speak of the 2011 prequel, uh, the thing has a modus operandi and it pretty well sticks to it. Mm-hmm. So, which is one of the things that I love about it as well.
0: Right. Yeah. It's just so good. I mean, the movie opens. It's got like one of the best oh, openings, of course.
1: One of the best openings in all of cinema.
0: Yeah. For in sure. my opinion. For sure. Just
1: a dog running through the Arctic tundra being chased by some guys in helicopters shooting at it and throwing grenades at it.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah.
1: Just what a way to open a movie. And if you
0: don't know what it's about, it is just like what is happening? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Again, like back to like wish I could just like wipe the slate clean every time I watch it or not even know like what this movie is I'm about to watch. Like I'd be so blown away, like when the yeah. The dog first splits its face splits open, you'd be like, dude would just be like the most mind blowing shit ever. <laughs> yeah. I love I love Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's like my favorite actor, so I think he's great in this. You know, what I actually love too about the movie in general is, which I don't think you get anymore is like they they don't bother with backstory. Like you don't know what who's there for what reason. You don't know which guy's divorced or misses his kids or
1: <laughs> yeah, any that's of that. A
0: very good point. Yeah, you know, like little things like Palmer's a pothead. <laughs> yeah, like the, the 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 things like yeah, McCready like kind of likes chess, but not enough to not destroy the machine. <laughs> you know the chess yeah. wizard so there's just so much to love you know i brought up earlier about like you know trying to like look at it discerning a little bit because i did kind of notice um so much i mean the the special effects are just are mind-blowing what they could do in 82 and i do love the blood test and i was kind of thinking i was like if i feel i was thinking about i was like if i had to think of like what was like my least favorite not so much scene, but effect. It's like, um, it's a couple bits with Palmer where it's like this one point where as he's starting to turn, looks kind of cool. And then there's a shot where it's just like, it looks like it's just like a a blood fountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, which always kind of like, I guess like stands out to me before. And as I was watching it this last time, I was like, it seems like it just didn't fit. And then I was starting to think, is this like, maybe it was like a budgetary thing. And then I kind of always kind of hated how, uh, I hate how he grabs Windows by the head and he's kind of just like that whole like flopping around thing until he (laughs) like
1: throws Windows body like. I like that. Like it's a little goofy looking because you can tell that it's like a fake person on top just being flailed around and like they're holding hands basically to just help support it or whatever. But I mean from just a guttural how fucking cool is this idea a dude standing in front of you his head splits open into a giant mouth and then he bites your head and lifts you off the ground like <laughs> oh yeah
0: that that is great it's just the execution <laughs> of it is like the one thing where i'm just like yeah that doesn't that doesn't fit quality wise with basically the rest of it but yeah such a little if thing. i
1: if i had to pick something special effects wise that i think could be better or isn't my favorite it would be uh the little bit of stop motion at the end
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, there was apparently a lot more of it, and Carpenter thought it was ineffective, so he used as little as he possibly could. Mm. Um, like, it, the set, you can tell it's a miniature set, but it's awesome looking. Like, I don't even mind that. It's just the entire rest of the film, the thing isn't stop, And even other bits of that scene, it's not stop motion. Right. And so right. those
0: a couple little moments just look a little off yeah to me looks a little off i actually don't even like totally love the the design of the last shot of the thing either the nor- the blair thing, like with, the the blair giant thing with the dog mouth in, yeah or, the... or whatever that is not yeah you know, there's just so much yeah. basically every other bit throughout the movie looks
1: better than that but or is at least more interesting from a design standpoint yeah for sure yeah. Uh, to be completely honest, though, if I had to name one thing that I wish were changed about the movie, like a single thing, mm-hmm. it would be uh, I wish there, that uh, McCready had a better line before he throws the dynamite. He just goes, Yeah, fuck you too, <laughs> <laughs> throws the dynamite. And even him uh, saying something in that moment seemed like it doesn't feel like McCready, but
0: yeah I guess- it, yeah I never really even thought of it. I don't hate it i'm I'm neither here nor there about it, but <laughs> I mean I don't hate it yeah. either but
1: <laughs> if there was one thing I could change, <laughs> I don't even know what I would change it to, but it's funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck you too <laughs> uh yeah I mean, so much has been said about this movie in uh in the last like couple of decades mm-hmm. i I could gush about just about any part of it. be know. a Robotine special effects. They seem to drive him to near insanity based on everything I've read and mm-hmm. seen. But, uh, I mean, it, it's all up there on the screen. Where
0: was this filmed? Uh,
1: the ex- or the, out
0: the exterior?
1: The exteriors were filmed in Juneau, Alaska on a glacier. Mm. So during the summer when uh, the snow had melted on the peak that they've, they built the... Because, like, the Outpost 31, the location in the movie, all the, like, outdoor shots, it's a full-size place that they built. And it wasn't just an exterior building. It was interior and exterior. So they could film indoor scenes there as well. Oh, they did. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And so they built it during the summer so that when winter came, the snowfall would naturally cover oh. it and it would look like it was meant to be there. Mm-hmm. And so they would truck everybody up this like treacherous road in these vehicles every single day to film. And then they, at night they would like go back down the mountain or whatever to like some town and, uh, and stay there. And when they were done filming, like when their time was up there at the end of the movie, you know, they blow up the base and it wasn't a miniature. Like it was literally, well, we're done with this, you know, facility we built so they just blew it up. Um, <laughs> so that's like the full size building that they blow up at that's the end of the amazing. movie. And then the interesting thing on top of that is the destroyed Norwegian base. They just used the remains of the building oh, they had blown up nice. as the Norwegian base Jesus. for the smart. F- yeah, <laughs> like that's a that's a great way to save some money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I read that uh, when they came up with that idea, it shaved like two hundred and fifty thousand oh, dollars off the budget or something. It. <laughs> yeah speaking of budget what do you got for us budget it It goes back and forth because as the movie was going on like I said Rob Bottin he was like pretty young dude at the time didn't have a ton of experience but he was like really good at what he was doing but he was kind of like this tunnel vision madman like trying to make these effects like perfect and you know he he did a good job but because of how complicated the effects were and how long it took him to prep everything and achieve them. The budget for the special effects like doubled and then they had to like cut some other scenes they were planning to film. They even had to bring in Stan Winston to do the special effects for the, uh, the kennel scene with the dog transformation because it was clear to them that Rob Bottin was just not going to get around to finishing mm. it at the rate he was going. But uh the approximate number that you get to is about 15 million budget. Oh wow. Good. But I think it was only supposed to be like 10 to 12. That's a lot. 3 million bucks a lot in 82. Yeah. And then uh the box office was uh 19.6. So I mean, after advertising and everything, I don't know if you can technically say that it made money, but I'm sure it didn't, which Just adds to the lore. But I mean, the crazy thing is that the week that it came out, and I think I read that it came out the same day as Blade Runner. I'm not sure if that's true, but I'm pretty sure I read that. I think it opened at like number four or number six or something. Oh, no, it opened at number eight the week that it came out. Which for the 80s, like I didn't even know there were that many movies in the theater (laughs) in any given week. And uh, it was out of the top 10 in like three weeks or something like that. And presumably after that didn't last in theaters very long. You know, they did a bunch of test screenings. Um, They changed the ending a couple times. They altered the, um, the original tagline for the movie was, Man is the warmest place to hide. But then after it was like tracking, like it wasn't going to do that good. They were trying to like convince people, no, this is like an awesome creature movie. So they changed the tagline to um, the ultimate in alien terror. Oh, original one is so good. And John Carpenter even tried to make a last minute push to change the title to Who Goes There, which is what the novella is called. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't really know how that would have helped that, them all that much, yeah, unless they just not thought as the good thing anyway. was vague, but. Yeah. Speaking of endings, so much has been said about the ending of this movie, explicitly the, uh, the kind of vague nature of it. So the movie was written by John Carpenter basically didn't want to write it (laughs) like he wanted to do the movie, but he had just wrote written like escape from New York. And he apparently had a really hard time writing. I forget what it was, but another project that he didn't direct. So they got Bill Lancaster, who's the son of Burt Lancaster, to write the movie. Among other things he had written were The Bad News Bears and The Bad News Bears Go to Japan. (laughs) (laughs) But um, his original script had an ending where McCready and Childs both get rescued, and it turns out they're both the thing. Oh. Uh, With a corny line as when they get rescued. Hey, which way to a hot meal? Oh, boy. Uh, John Carpenter felt that that was a shallow ending. He was right. Editor Tom Ramsey didn't like the nihilistic ending and suggested that they film a different ending, which they did film. I've never seen it, so I don't know if it's like available to see anywhere, but uh, they filmed the quote-unquote happy ending where McCready is rescued and given a blood test to show that he's human. Oh, Uh, John Carpenter felt that was cheesy, so never even considered using it after they filmed it. I like his style. And then they did tests with the existing ending where it's just Childs and McCready staring at each other. And uh, audiences didn't like it. Mm. So the studio had another editor named Verna Fields re-edit the ending so that Childs never returns. And it's just McCready sitting there. And I guess the reason that they did that is because Child's coming back makes you think it's possible he's the thing and it's not over. But if Child's never returns and you just assume that he's dead somewhere, since we just saw McCready kill the alien in the presence of nobody else, you must assume he's a human. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what they were trying to achieve with that ending. It's a it's a happy er ending then. Yeah. Like, this dude's probably still going to freeze to death, but at least, like, we can be, like, 99% sure that he saved the world. Right. That ending tested, like, mildly better, but since they were both pretty much the same, Carpenter said, you know, I like my ending better. They didn't test that differently, so we're changing it back to my ending, and that is the ending that we have. Now, as to everybody's question and debate about, is Child's the thing? Here we go. in 1982 uh after a market research screening carpenter asked the audience their thoughts and one audience member asked what happened in the very end which one was the thing to which carpenter responded that it was up to their imagination and the audience member allegedly responded oh god i hate that so in 1982 john carpenter said it's up to your imagination uh, last year, 2022, was the 40th anniversary of the film's release, and John Carpenter did an interview where the interviewer asked him, so what's the deal? 40 years later, who's the thing? And John Carpenter said, I know, but I'm not telling you. I just feel like it's a secret that must be kept. The gods came down and swore me to secrecy. So from the horse's mouth. Clearly Childs is the thing, Milsey. It's not defined one way or the other. It is up to the audience's wow. interpretation.
0: Anyone with half a brain can tell it's Childs is the thing.
1: Well, you're wrong. <laughs>
0: well.
1: <laughs> Who is the thing at the end of that movie is Schrodinger's cat. Oh, I love it. Yeah, according to John Carpenter, R.J. McCready and Childs are both in a state of being the thing and not the thing <laughs> until he ever reveals I it, which it. I doubt he ever
0: will. I love it. I mean, it's got the, it's a perfect movie with a perfect ending. Yeah, I agree. That's the exact ending it should have had. And
1: it perfect ending, perfect opening,
0: pretty much perfect everything else in between. I mean, seriously, that's why I, I love mean, it seriously. so much. Yeah. This is a this is a thing we could really just like do our own commentary track <laughs> and watch the whole movie, but it's just
1: Yeah, this is like one of the first movies we've ever done on for this show where I felt like I don't even need to write notes. I did because I'm me,
0: but yeah. mm-hmm.
1: Fun anecdote that you may have heard. Uh, Drew Struzan painted the poster for this movie, mm-hmm. and it was a last minute gig. He painted the entire poster in 24 hours, yep, up, based on just a briefing and no knowledge really of the film, hadn't right. seen anything for it. And he claims that the paint was still wet when he handed it off to the uh, like the courier who came to pick it up. I mean. And it's an amazing fucking iconic poster. Yeah, I mean,
0: perfect movie, perfect opening, perfect ending, perfect fucking poster. Yeah. It just it just makes sense. And I'm pretty sure, I remember checking within like the last 10 years, that original was for sale. Up until- like The original original? The original paint, yeah. He had it on his website for sale. It's not anymore. Oh. I remember in the last couple of years I looked again but within the last 10 years i th- i thought it's uh, you could have got it for like 20 grand or something i mean i i
1: wouldn't think you'd be able to get it that cheap maybe <laughs> it was, it was like 200 i don't was remember the starting bid or something I don't, I
0: don't remember if it was 200 or 20 or whatever but uh, it was available I know it
1: was available two two times within like the last 10 15 years that i'm aware of uh he has done like limited print runs where he's like signed and numbered them of that poster Mm -hmm. and both times I wanted one, but I mean they were a few hundred dollars and I just remember thinking like a couple hundred bucks for like a reproduction of a poster. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like it'd be cool to have, but, uh, you know, maybe if they do it a third time, I'll finally jump on it. Mm -hmm. I like it. And, uh, of note, um, since the, since the Thing has become somewhat popular over the years, there, as I mentioned, were some comic books made by Dark Horse Comics. Of note, The Thing from Another World from 1991, two-issue miniseries, painted artwork, very good. Like I said, it takes place, like, right after the movie ends. Then The Thing from Another World, Climate of Fear, four-issue miniseries uh, from 1992, also pretty good. And uh the thing, Eternal Vows number one through four from nineteen ninety three, that one of note was drawn by Paul Goulacy, who I'm a fan of. Oh nice. Uh I would love like some reprints of those because they're like all out of print. Mm-hmm. But uh as I mentioned as well, in two thousand two there was a video game called The Thing released for Windows, PS two, and Xbox. Did you ever play that game? Nope. Didn't
0: even know it was a thing until tonight. Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted that game to be good, but I thought my experience playing it on PlayStation was that it was buggy as hell and I couldn't even beat it. I mean, it probably sucks. <laughs> it was kind of neat. It was like... um, Like, what's that, what's the gist? So it's like a sequel to the movie where, like, you are a team who, like, goes to investigate and... You're running around and, you know, you're finding the thing and and fighting it or whatever. But it's, if I remember correctly, it's almost like a three-quarter view, like, top-down kind of thing. So it's supposed to be a team of, like, four people. But as you play, they had this element where all the members of your team who are, like, NPCs, uh, and you can, like, pick up people and lose them throughout the game. So you have, like, these, quote-unquote, random other characters running around with you. And based on allegedly it it never really felt like it worked right to me, but based on decisions you made as your character, it would like increase the fear and, and like disbelief of the other characters and like either turn them against you or make them work with you. So like you had to kind of balance the decisions you made, like giving another character a gun would make them trust you more. But then like if they were the thing, they could use it against you and, So I like what they were trying to do, making it like the movie where you you don't know who to trust and nobody else knows if they can trust you even though they're NPCs. Mm -hmm. But my recollection was that no matter what I did, it never really felt like I was influencing them the way that I felt that I should be. And then inevitably there was a boss fight that I remember playing like over and over and over again. And I just like couldn't beat it because... There was, like, a door I couldn't get to open or something. And either I was too stupid to figure out what it was, or there was, like, a glitch in the game. The whole game seemed really buggy to me, but I love the concept
0: anyway. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see. i got to, like, watch a YouTube video or something just to see. I will say, uh, and we've experienced this together, I think the board game is, like, one of the best, one of my favorite board games.
1: Yeah, the board game from Mondo, uh, like, perfectly uses like the concepts and the like all the
0: mechanics and just yeah, yeah everything it's great of
1: the movie to make like a really effective game mm-hmm. where if, especially if you play with a large group because i think you can play with it might only be eight people even though there's 12 characters to choose from mm-hmm. you can get a big group of people and then you don't know who to trust it's one of those hidden trader style yeah. games which makes sense for great. the thing
0: a few years back uh played it i had people over for my birthday and we had like packed house so like i think we had all eight players mm-hmm. and uh i was the thing in the end and got voted as the captain to take the the chopper <laughs> <out>. <laughs> that's just, the best I, feeling I just, oh it was the best i uh, i hammed it up big time it was amazing It's awesome i always remember that so <sighs> yeah i want to say
1: that came out in like 2017 or something like that mm-hmm Um, going back to, I think, 2005, as you know, because we both listened to the Best Movies Never Made podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, there was, I think the Sci-Fi Channel was going to do a TV miniseries sequel that was intended to be, like, a four-hour production produced by Frank Darabont. Mm -hmm. I listened to the podcast, as did you, so I know, like, the basic gist of the story, and then I believe you read the actual script as well. I did. Which could have been interesting... The thing for me is in the story the thing ends up getting to like a temperate climate and like the why the reason that the thing taking place in the arctic tundra works is because there's not bugs and birds and all kinds of like little mammals and things running around so it has so few things to imitate that it feels like you could stop it right, like they do right. in the movie but as soon as you set this creature with that premise in, like, I think it was supposed to be New Mexico or it something. It was.
0: It's like Nevada or New Mexico or something. It's just the
1: thing could get to a fucking fly or a mosquito, and then you're right. done. It just goes and infects everybody. Like, Yeah. It, that, th- I feel like that would, r- because I, I would just be thinking about it too much, it would like ruin any attempt to set the thing not in the Antarctic. Yeah, but and it was just, it was a neat idea. It was neat to hear about like
0: what they planned to do with it. Yeah, it was like a good read. I think I remember thinking like in the end, like it could be great or horrible. It would all be in the execution of the the script. But yeah, um, it definitely was different than the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, could have been good. Could have been interesting. Hey, the prequel could have been good. If they, <laughs> well,
1: been good. I was. That's next. Uh, Two thousand eleven. We got the prequel, also bafflingly just called the thing.
0: Mm -hmm. terrible
1: and uh that's a whole fucking can of worms that we don't really have to go into but i hate that movie i think it's just it's poorly written they ruined the effects with cg yeah Uh,
0: it wouldn't have been great because the, the as we've talked before the story has some definite issues but it it lost any redeeming quality when they started just Got, I don't know who got cold feet and just started laying on the horrible CGI onto that. Yeah, over
1: top of the awesome-looking, as far as we can tell from behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. footage, practical stuff that Amalgamated Dynamics was doing. Yeah, just trying to with pay bad homage taste to Rob Bottin. Yeah,
0: people with bad taste were in charge of final decisions on that one or something. Cause yeah, but I mean, they, even,
1: they even if you know we had to be stuck with the CG like that movie loses major points for me for the thing, just not acting like the thing. Like what we were discussing earlier with my theory about like why Norris as the thing would reveal itself to everybody as like a tactical Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. The, the thing's whole thing is that it hides in plain sight. It's not like an apex predator necessarily. It is, it's like a chameleon. And in the prequel, from 2011 there's parts where it's in a room full of people and it just reveals itself and then runs around attacking everyone. And that's not how the thing acts like as a creature, that is not how it responds to things based on Mm -hmm. the movie, which set the examples from 1982. Right. And then the whole idea that like, it's a creature that can absorb you and imitate you perfectly. Like it knows how you talk. It knows what you look like. It knows how you act. It has seemingly your memories. Because it, like, knows what to call other Mm -hmm. people and whatnot. But then they introduce the idea that you can... Somebody realizes that someone has been imitated in the movie because when the thing imitated them, it put the person's earring in the wrong ear. Fuck off. (laughs) Awful. Awful shitty writing. Lazy. Just terrible. Anyway. uh. (laughs) which brings us up to now in uh, 2020 it was announced that universal and blumhouse are planning on doing a remake which just seems like a bad idea as well just bad idea just
0: let it be as it's amazing thing on its own yep mills mhm again we could <laughs> keep going but let's let's talk other shapeless death all right i guess we have two more movies to talk about
1: Uh, Coming up next from 1985, we have the stuff. Let me have some. I'll finish with my cereal. Sure, good for you. No, don't eat that. There's nothing wrong with it. I had
0: some last night. I'm telling you, it isn't good. It's spoiled. Doesn't taste spoiled to me. Here, you taste it and tell me if you think it's what. I don't want any. Look, it moves around all by itself. It moves. I saw it moving in the refrigerator. (laughs) Hey, freak, what do you want, anyway? Jason, you come back here. You know, I hope these stains come out. What the hell's the matter with that boy anyway? Look at that. Not a spot. Low in calories, good tasting, and it doesn't even spot. And he doesn't like it. Give us the jingle. <laughs> enough
1: is never enough of the stuff. <laughs> Thank you. This is one of those classic examples for me. I think, I, I again, I don't know if I've talked about it on this show or not, but like when I was a kid, I loved Ghostbusters just mm-hmm. because I thought the idea of guys with, like, laser beam backpacks catching ghosts was a cool premise. And then as the years went by and I got older, I it went from being, this is an awesome sci-fi action movie to this is an awesome comedy. The stuff has had the same kind of trajectory for me, mm. where when I was a kid, I just remember, like, chocolate chip Charlie's face opening up and the stuff pouring out of it and the kid Mm. being trapped in the back of that tanker truck with the stuff and like it was a cool monster movie to me and then all those years went by and like I said I re-watched it and it was a little bit of a shock to the system because it's not like Ghostbusters where I continued to watch it over the years and it slowly became a comedy to me like I went from seeing the stuff a bunch of times when I was a kid, forgetting about it for like 15 years, watching it again and being like, "This movie is fucking weird." <laughs> like it's trying to be a comedy. To like, I do appreciate it for the humor and the satire now, but mm-hmm. it is a strange
0: it's, movie. <laughs> it, it 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 it's funny. So like I said, grew up on this one, seen it many times, have not seen it in decades. This was the first time rewatching it in oh many moons. Uh huh. Um. So again, I've seen it so many times that you know so much of it is just you know completely familiar. But it's like real heavy on the satire. Yeah. I kind of forgot. A lot of I forgot it was a lot of the so much of like the marketing part of it. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, they'll just cut to commercials randomly for the stuff in the a middle. A lot of the movie. commercials, even just a uh, the the one lady there that's was behind the advertising too i even just like forgot her that that was even the angle for her Mm
1: -hmm. um the whole thing is about like corporate espionage with uh yeah uh moriarty's character mo Mm -hmm.
0: it's great this movie's bonkers this movie, rob uh cohen was cohen's first larry cohen
1: guy's fucking crazy. He is. Uh, And, like, if you know him as a filmmaker, which, again, I didn't back then, but I do now, like, this is very par for the course for him. (laughs) Like, he was always trying to make things that were going to, like, upset the norm and be uh, not exactly what you think they're going to be. For anybody who doesn't know, the quick elevator pitch on this one is, uh, (laughs) like, literally the movie opens ham-fisted with, like, some guy at a quarry or something. Finds some white goop bubbling up out of the ground. And what would anybody do in that situation? Taste it. And he thinks it tastes amazing. So then, you know, cut to he's marketed it, sold it to some advertising company. And it is now like a new yogurt whipped cream, ice cream-ish snack that you can buy. And um, when you eat enough of it, It can take over your body and your mind and turn you into a zombie. And it's basically like... Well, here's what Larry Cohen said about it. Mm. My main inspiration was the consumerism and corporate greed found in our country and the damaging products that are being sold. I was constantly reading in the newspapers about various goods and materials being recalled because they were harming people. We continue to eat these foods despite the fact some of them are killing us. That's when I started thinking that the stuff could be an imaginary product, in this case an ice cream dessert, that is being consumed by millions and is doing irreparable damage to humanity. Everybody is gobbling down this yummy food, so how could it possibly be wrong for us? And so it's like kind of a monster horror movie because it's about this living goo that is like Mm -hmm. taking over us and turning us into zombies and attacking people. But really the point behind the movie was like a kind of... Liberal agenda <laughs> <laughs> Which I love Larry Cohen for He like He yeah. never made like a Really profitable movie in his life I don't think But He has a fascinating filmography That guy He does Great uh, documentary About his career Yeah King Cohen the- Highly recommended oh, yeah. Very good Thank thank goodness They uh, They ma- filmed that before he died So there's mm-hmm. tons of interview footage Oh yeah him. Yeah it's really a it 100% worth watching Yep, just to hear the behind-the-scenes stories of every movie that he filmed in New York City when they didn't have permits. Oh, it's uh, amazing, fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this movie is just like a fever dream, as Millsy has described. I actually hate how it opens because it is <laughs> you can't even you don't even take a breath and that guy's sticking his fingers in the stuff, yeah, and eating it out of the ground. Like there's not a there's not a establishing shot. It's a, first frame.
1: Yeah, it's him like, like walking
0: up to the goop on the ground, yeah. and
1: I may be mistaken, but I, I have the Blu-ray from Arrow Video, and I want to say that before the movie starts, it doesn't even have like a New World Pictures logo or anything. I think literally no, no, you press it, play, it, and the first thing you see
0: is that I, dude. I rented it, and it's, yeah, it was like, I was like, whoa, whoa, and then I was like, whoa, whoa what the fuck? and he's yeah he's he's digging right in like yeah, it feels like you're watching a bootleg that's
1: missing something at the uh, beginning
0: thousand percent i couldn't believe it <laughs>
1: which yeah i agree it's like it's jarring jarring and poorly done but at the same time because i know all the behind the scenes and like larry cohen i kind of love it because it's so <laughs> stupid just that idea of like oh something's bubbling out of the ground i'm gonna taste it oh i hate it oh it's just like amazing
0: uh, yeah, and then it's like it goes from that, and then seemingly X amount of years jumps to, uh, you know, now it's marketed. It's got a good. It's got some good packaging. You know, it's on the shelves. It's basically Cool Whip, but people love it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it the the plot it's it the plot
0: is bonkers because it it ends up being like a career, uh, industrial espionage guy in mo teams up with a kid and you know
1: and an ad exec and a cookie company magnate and like a crazy nut job uh like military general yeah (laughs) played by paul Paul, sorvino paul
0: Paul, Paul sorvino (laughs) who is somehow military general and also owns radio stations
1: well yeah he's got to get his right wing agenda out there i mean the radio waves dude this, movie's, this movie is so Larry Cohen. Yeah, it's just, like, the plot, it doesn't even really deserve <laughs> mentioning. It's just one of those movies you kind of watch, and from scene to scene, you're just like, okay, this is happening now.
0: I mean, pretty much, because, like, like all things, I'm, like, there for the kills, and I like you know, know they're coming, so yeah. the effects... and
1: and, you know, part of the reason that the movie is a little bit of a jumbled mess is just because it's low-budget Larry making a movie for New World Pictures back in the mid-'80s. Totally, totally, But the other reason is that... So, New World Pictures thought they were getting a straight-up monster movie, which is why, mm-hmm. like, if you look at the poster, it doesn't really feel tonally like the movie. <laughs> so, the studio, after Larry turned in, like, his edit, they cut a bunch of stuff. So, there's, like... More, you know, relationship scenes between Mo and the female lead, Nicole, and uh like some other like commercial footage and stuff like that that they took out just to try and like, you know, get the pace moving a little more and have less dialogue and stuff in between like the kills and the craziness. So
0: mm. it, it, gotcha.
1: 100% this is a flawed jumble of a movie. This is one of those cases that you were talking about earlier, where I'm like, I've I loved this when I was a kid, and I have a soft spot for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not sure how much of that is just nostalgia, but like, I unabashedly enjoy this movie. But I I will be the first to say that it is not. It's not on the level of such as the thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it's it's hard to put into words because it's entertaining. And part of me thinks it's great with also, well, while also not being good, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because it's just, uh, you know, the effects are... Sometimes great. Sometimes great. Inconsistent is probably the best way to put it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes very bad.
0: Yeah. There's the scene, which I did not recall, of the basically, I guess you could say the climactic battle scene that's... I don't know if it's in a radio booth or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Is it's almost offensive at points with how bad it is because it's I don't know if it's uh I don't even know what the effect is Millsy where they you know they're just lay laying or layering The stuff over with the actors and what's happened it's like hard to follow
1: yeah and the reason for that is because it was a super low budget movie and they were filming that in a real like recording studio oh and so like the part where mo breaks the glass of the recording booth with the butt of his gun Mm -hmm. he doesn't actually break the glass they superimposed like, yes. composited in a sheet of glass breaking over top the real glass to give the impression that he broke it because they couldn't afford to recreate that set somewhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or, like, break the glass and pay for it. Same thing with, like, you know, they set the stuff on fire inside the room and they can't really do that. So they they filmed it elsewhere and composited it on uh, top of the just- footage so it's yeah, like, it, it's like it, it's almost it, hard to follow because your brain is telling you something's wrong.
0: Yeah, this is like it it's quick It's lots of quick cuts. I even think I don't know if it's like the kid coming in the room is like a weird cut and it's just yeah, it's just a complete mess. I mean, at that point the movie is uh, a balkers out there cuz you know Paul Sorvino's yeah. involved and just you know, they're getting they're they're going to the radio station via yellow cab and just <laughs> yeah it's just this fucking thing is nuts but there are parts that i really love
1: like uh Again, it's again it's not like realistic, but the scene in the hotel room where the mattress is filled with the stuff the and it comes pillow. pouring out and yeah. pushes the guy up the oh, wall. Yeah. Well, I mean first comes
0: out the pillow, right? Yeah. To get tries to
1: get Mo, which was amazing. And she sets his face on fire to, to burn it off of his face. Right, but is... when that other dude comes in the room, like mm-hmm. you can you can if you know anything about how movies are made, you can tell how they did it. But yeah, like it's a just rotisserie, right? Yeah, they had the entire room on a gimbal. I read that it was apparently the exact same room that they used for uh, the scene in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, where Johnny Depp gets pulled oh, to the, the blood. bed and then the blood pours onto the ceiling, so yep. the whole room had to be upside down. So it's like they had the room turned ninety degrees, and they had. Uh, Michael Moriarty and the actress Andrea Marcovici like uh, strapped down to something. So you were only seeing them from the waist up so that they would stay still and not like fall around the room as the room rotated. And uh, they just like cut open the mattress and this white sludge comes pouring out Mm -hmm. and you can like tell it's falling, but because of the way the picture is oriented, there's, like, something weird about it, but it, like, pushes the guy onto the wall, and then they rotate the room upside down, and gravity forces the guy and
0: the slime up the wall. It's yep. such a
1: cool visual.
0: It is. And it's funny, I think, because you can see some fire in it still, because I remember noticing that, and, like, the fire is, like, it's going, like, uh, horizontal. So <laughs> yeah, then see-
1: they light the stuff on fire as the room is rotating, but... Like yeah it like your mind is telling you something's not right here but I just think it's it looks, so cool it's looking. Cool.
0: Yeah, no, I was a big fan of that. And just the idea it, it's like
1: if you allow you like your mind to tell you like what is happening is actually happening. Mm-hmm. The just the idea of picture like imagining this sl- this living slime coming out of the mattress and then like forcing you up the wall <laughs> against yep. gravity is just it's so good i love that part yeah no
0: i like that part a bit too i think um there's a couple bits of like the stuff pouring out of people's mouths being gross and and then it leaves them like an empty husk which you can break yeah. like uh like a vase yeah which i like too it's probably the Again, the aforementioned that part of the uh, recording studio is bad. There's there's a couple bits where they have to like superimpose characters in front of like the giant mass of the stuff. That's like you yeah. can clearly tell, but it's like you know it's oh, also eighty eighty five. So yeah, the
1: kid in inside the
0: tanker truck. All yeah, the
1: shots where he's in the frame with the stuff, like he's obviously pretty, just like superimposed on top of a plate. Yeah,
0: pretty pretty rough looking,
1: but hey, it's eighty five. Yeah, Uh I just love stupid shit like the kid's family is brainwashed and they're trying to convince him to eat the stuff. So he takes it up and he flushes it down the toilet and puts shaving cream in the cup and he's like eating it in front of them. And then he has to run outside because he's getting sick from eating shaving
0: cream. It's just like so ridiculous. Yeah, I hate the kid. I got to be honest, I hate that kid. (laughs) He's not like a great actor. Yeah, no, no. But I was like, yeah, his his play to get rid of the stuff that Rob's brain did, instead he's going to go downstairs and eat shaving cream was all-time move but just
1: imagine if you were that kid and they told you hey we're gonna pay you to run around and trash this grocery store like that would have been the time of my fucking life yeah yeah, knocks all the stuff cans everywhere yeah i mean
0: they must have spent a good amount of budget on just getting (laughs) making fake stuff containers
1: yeah it's a great logo too by the way Mm -hmm. there's that scene where the the stuff van like tries to run down mo in the street in new york and that's yet again another instance where I'm sure they didn't have a permit to do that. Oh, for sure, <laughs>
0: for sure not.
1: Yeah, uh, fucking Danny Aiello is in this movie as well for one scene. Yeah, that's right. He's and uh, he gets killed by his dog who has been taken over by the, the stuff the stuff dog.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which they made like that that dog head that has like a, a stuffed tongue coming out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of funny. Like Michael Moriarty is like an actor that I know because of movies like this, and he's in like a couple different Larry Cohen things. Like he's in Q the Winged Serpent as well. Uh, and I like him. Uh I'm a fan mm-hmm. of him from stuff like this. But yeah, then you have Paul Sorvino and Danny Aiello in this. And um Mira Sorvino, Paul's daughter. This is like she's like a background character in one scene, but like this is
0: the first thing she was ever in. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Amazing yeah to see him in this was a kind of a joy, and then also just adding to the the just the flat out craziness of this movie. It's like this move you could play the idea of the stuff like so much like straight, like probably yeah. like the blob as we'll get to, but yeah to say. Don't change a thing cuz to for it to be Larry Cohen's stuff just yeah. adds to it.
1: Yeah, like, I have the same thought that like you could remake this movie and make it like a really effective like monster movie. You could probably mm-hmm. even make a more effective like uh satire. So, so, right. But
0: like who would
1: want to mess yeah, with this like weird yeah
0: terrible perfection that is it's it sets it sits better as like a part of movie history as what it is yeah
1: and this is another one like i said i feel like arrow video put out that blu-ray at some point like that one's been out for a good number of years now and so it's kind of easy for people to get and just with horror conventions and things over the years becoming more popular i feel like a lot more people know about the stuff now uh, Like I have a, I have a couple of t-shirts with the stuff logo or whatnot on them mm-hmm. and I'll wear them mm-hmm. to work and people will recognize them, which I feel like would not have happened 10 years ago. I
0: mean, probably not. I think, uh, and just probably is with social media and you know, we're, we, it's easier than ever probably to find our people <laughs> you yeah. know, where it's like growing up, you might not have like, I got to go to my office where my day job is and. I'd be surprised to find anyone that's ever heard of the stuff, Mm -hmm. let alone seen it. But you never know, too. It's, you know, Children of the 80s is shit that we were uh, subjected to. So you never know. But yeah, I like I, you know, affectionately refer to people sometimes as the normies. Like, who else is, you know, a certain kind of person saying, like, oh, yeah, the thing. That's one of my favorite movies. (laughs) You know, like that's that's not everybody for sure. Mm hmm people in our circles absolutely but gen gen pop not so much
1: yeah although the thing like i said earlier is pretty damn mainstream now not to say that it's like everyone's favorite movie but i feel like a more people have seen it these days than not
0: especially Ooh, of a certain I'd, age uh, I, yeah i'd be curious still <laughs> still i'd be curious yeah uh so yeah the stuff it is it
1: has to be seen to be believed Yeah.
0: I'd say we leave it at that.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, our third and final film is The Blob from 1988.
0: Keller speaking. Sheriff, this is Paul Taylor. Oh, what's wrong? I'm at the Arborville Hospital. An old man's just been killed down here. You said killed? Yes, sir. Yeah, you sit tight, I'll be right down. Now, who else is involved? I'm with Meg Penny. And Brian Flagg was here earlier. Flagg? Where is he now? another
1: remake yep have you ever seen the original uh no i have not uh i think criterion put it out i have the blu-ray famously stars steve mcqueen as a high school student and i think at the time he might have been in his 30s just Mm -hmm. because that's the way they used to do things that's that's the way it was and uh man like it's it's a it's a fun movie in the same way that the thing from another world the 50s version is a fun movie it's not great by any means Mm -hmm. the thing that always stands out in my mind about that movie is the special effect that they did at the end of the film Uh, The blob is supposed to be, like, engulfing a little, like, roadside silver diner, like an old 50s diner, Mm -hmm. and the way that they achieved this special effect, and you can tell while watching it, because I didn't watch a special feature about this or anything, I could just tell, is that they had a photograph of a diner, and they just basically poured the blob over it, like they poured the jelly stuff over the photo, and that was supposed to be it engulfing
0: the building. (laughs) Amazing. <laughs> just think.
1: Yeah. So that's the level of movie we're talking about, but it is a bona fide, like, cult classic. Thank you, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. It's just a cool concept. Like, you know, the thing is this mutating creature and the stuff came years after the blob established this idea, but just like a a formless mass of goo that uh-huh. is coming for you. Like it, can, Gillette is it murder. Yeah, it can like squeeze through tiny cracks and things, and mm-hmm. it like burns you and absorbs you and suffocates you inside of itself, and
0: mm-hmm. which is pretty terrifying. Yeah, it absolutely
1: about. is. Like among monsters and monster movies, I feel like this is one that in real life would be the most terrifying, just because it'd be almost no getting away from it. Right. I don't know if I can think of a place that I could easily get to that would be like airtight enough to keep it out <laughs> without no, you it couldn't. Like, coming under a yeah. door or through a crack or through like a, a plug hole in the wall or something.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I'm right there with
1: you. I digress. Um, so yeah, this was remake of the fifties version. Uh, it's co-written by Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont obviously has a penchant for like old school horror and stuff. So they tried to keep it in that kind of campy ballpark where, like, once upon a time, you'd have, like, your kind of outcast kids who basically just had, like, greased hair and a jacket, like, a leather jacket and rode a motorcycle. And that meant they were, like, the edgy kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin Dillon, as the male lead in this, is that character. And then, uh, like, the the high school cheerleader is uh, played by Shawnee Smith. And it's, like, the two of them, like... The, the, the the good girl and the guy from the other side of the tracks and like uh-huh. they make a weird pair fighting this
0: sure goo that comes to town, <laughs> which I think the movie does a good job of like not necessarily like you know you don't necessarily think like the the, the good kid the the football player that's with Shawnee Smith is gonna you know get smoked in the first twenty minutes but yeah
1: yeah I, I read that Frank Darabont uh, they decided to do that on purpose because everybody would assume mm-hmm. that the like high school jock would be the hero. Cause I think oh, that course. was the case with Steve McQueen's character in the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they pulled a psycho and killed him like in the f- end of the first act. Yeah. Love it. And yeah, like scene. to speak of favorite parts of this movie, we already kind of talked about it earlier. I love that the guy getting sucked down the sink, but nowadays mm-hmm. just from a horrifying, excellently achieved visual, it's Paul. Paul. With the thing like sliding over his face and it's yep. like suffocating him and pulling his eyebrow, his eyelids back and like dissolving his face. Yeah. Cause it's basically just
0: like a living stomach acid, which is like so good. And like it could have, you know, still could have been great as is if it's just like, you know, enveloping people, but they and all turns basically show it like the dissolving or the melting of people that yeah. interact with it just adds so much to it it just breaks
1: you down like it it's like an amoeba it you just like it's just digesting you
0: and you can yeah. see it because it's like semi-transparent yeah um i would say like probably the the guy getting sucked down the sink is probably like my least favorite kill just because of like being ludicrous oh. not that i hate it but this, I think, this movie is packed to the gills with great monster kills.
1: Yeah, the uh, woman who runs the diner getting uh, crushed inside the phone booth. With
0: the, but first, seeing the what is it, the sheriff is mid mid melt inside of the he's blob while she's like, oh, I love it. That's so good. His eyes still moving, Mm-hmm. like you said, Paul. Uh, Paul's buddy while he's like being a creep up at make out Point. Yeah. He get he gets got in the car. It's amazing. Yeah, he like
1: is feeling up the girl
0: who he thinks is just
1: passed out from the booze he's mm-hmm. been giving her, but she's actually got the blob eating her yeah. under her clothes.
0: Right. They're like her face like uh, <laughs> it implodes while it's getting them and then, uh I think the, the the blob itself looks so good. Like they it's got like airbrush, like they got veins in it and everything. It's the perfect yeah. color, it moves creepy and weird.
1: Yeah, this is another one. It's it's not as amazing as the thing, and it's not as bad as the stuff by a long shot, visuals wise. But you know, I still love all the special effects in this movie. But it's kind of like the stuff in that it's inconsistent because they're using so many different techniques mm-hmm. to show it. Like there's parts where it's miniatures, there's parts where it's full size, there's a little bit of stop motion, there's mm-hmm. like uh, green screen stuff. And, like, at times it just doesn't even look like the same substance. Like, when it comes pouring up out of the sink in the diner, that was obviously another instance where they had an upside-down room. So they were just, right. like, dropping liquid out of the sink. And it looks like liquid at that point, whereas the rest of the movie, it's, like, a gelatinous consistency. But yeah, for sure. Like, I'm, I say this to mention it, but it doesn't really bother me because I just love watching how they achieve everything.
0: Yeah. where And where, like... the. It's just the perfect time. Eighty-eight was the perfect time to make the Blob remake because they had to do it practically.
1: Yeah, they considered doing a uh, CG, but felt that it was like not up to snuff oh, at the time. God.
0: No, it wouldn't even be this we're close to the same movie. Yeah, I like the story. I think the you no, know, the story's like Hindsight's got a couple characters to care about. I love, uh, you know, the government done us wrong subplot. Yeah, it's though. a cool
1: twist on like the original was just a thing came from outer space and this one is like the more cynical modern like cold war like mm-hmm. we we've been developing this thing and it's been hit with cosmic rays and fell to earth and we're here to yep. like try and contain it like that's that's a cool take i like yeah. that yeah
0: closing off a, closing off a small town Probably to, you know, kill everyone or blow it up, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? It's just, like, like outbreak or something. Like, I, lo- I always love that kind I of mean, stuff. I uh, mean,
1: what's his name? The uh, uh, Dr. Meadows. He even says, mm-hmm. like, they're expendable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're, like, herding everybody together in the town hall mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, I-, I definitely think that they were planning to kill everybody.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they had to cover it up somehow. Yeah. So, I think so, too. But, yeah, the... For like great execution, like you said, I mean inconsistent, and uh, they, like you know, they had to do things to pull pull it off. I mean, it looks. I even like the scene in the sewer. It, that's a pretty good death scene with that one, the one kid, the friend there. Yeah, it's actually kind of surprising that you watch a kid die. Yeah, he gets like a pretty gruesome
1: melting. Yeah, he comes up out of the water, kind of like Jason at the end of the original tw- Friday the Thirteenth, but he's like covered yeah. in the blob. <laughs> yeah. So. I love little things like when they're trying to get away at one point in the sewer and uh the it like it's these tendrils of it have grabbed Shawnee Smith's hair and you would think like, Oh, you're done, but then it's like the stomach acidness of it like burns those bits of hair mm-hmm. off so she's able to get away. Yeah. So gross when you think about it as like stomach acid too. Yeah. I'll say I will say conceptually, one thing that I don't love personally mm. is I love the idea of it's just a A goo that comes for you and it like Moves on its own and everything but there Are a couple of instances where they Give it tentacles for no Good Mm -hmm. reason one of those instances Is the uh, the lovers lane Scene we talked about where the guy tries to grab A piece of titty and he grabs a piece of the blob instead Mm -hmm. It's just like tentacles Shoot out of her shirt and grab Him and it's kind of random that sometimes it has tentacles, other times it doesn't. I prefer just the idea of it's just goo without appendages of any kind.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: It doesn't happen often, but, like, and again, it's it's not, like, a huge gripe. It's just, you know, if 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 I had it's, my way, we, we could have done without that. You want more blobby. I mean, it could have just poured out of her shirt and, like, right, <laughs> pinned right, him right. to the side of the car or something mm-hmm. for all I care, but... There's a great scene, I mean, there's there's whole bits towards the end where the government shows up and they're wearing those white suits that remind me of Phantoms, or more so, oh, I guess yeah. Phantoms reminds me of this, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. a similar scene to one in Phantoms where uh, it's inside the guy's suit and it fills up the face oh, mask. Oh yeah, it looks great too. Love that. <laughs> time that scenes, happens.
0: Yeah, like that, I think when the the lady from the restaurant dies in the phone booth, it's like, those like... They cut it so well because it's like that, like quick, like sudden, like the suit's filling up, but it's like it doesn't linger on that shot for too long. Same yeah. thing with the phone booth; it's like a sudden like jolt as it's shooting in, but you don't, they don't linger on that either. It's like really adds to the, I don't know, the the tension do it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just love it. So many like little shots like that.
1: A good kill that I always forget about until I see it again is at the very end. It's like the the deputy. They're like barricading the doors in the town hall and the blob pulls him, like bends his spine backwards in in half half and pulls him through like a bookcase. And it looks great because it looks like it's a continuous shot. It is. Like I haven't seen how they did that, but I have to assume he was like his lower body was already through the bookcase and they had a fake lower body on him Mm -hmm. so that like when it pulled him through, he just leaned back and the fake lower body like slid up underneath of him.
0: Oh, yeah. I have uh, actually just recently I opened it for this, but I had the, the Shout factor shout, release. I have to check that because it looked pretty seamless. You know, like it didn't seem like jarring uh, jarring that they cut between two shots.
1: Yeah, I think it was all one to my recollection.
0: Yeah, I think it was too, so it was very good.
1: The other part where the special effects get a little iffy for me is at the very end, there's a lot of like weird... Superimposing of like clouds mm. of cold, like
0: air and yeah, stuff, and from the Freon or whatever it is.
1: Because you've got like people superimposed, like normal humans superimposed, like in the foreground, with a miniature, like it's like a 18th scale version of the town with a stop motion blob in the background, and then like clouds of white, smoky stuff. So it looks mm-hmm. a little questionable. But, again, like, I love practical effects for the most part in any situation, so while I recognize that it's not, again, it's not up to snuff with, like, the thing,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. it's still awesome looking. I'm
0: sure you love when the holy man gets torched as well. Oh, but of course. (laughs) Which is, is like, that great, I think it's a great ending, too, as he's just got his little, his jar of the blob with him as he's...
1: Yeah, he's he becomes like a like a an apocalyptic creature. Yeah, which obviously they were setting up for a sequel. Unfortunately, this movie had a. Uh, I read two different numbers. I read in one place that it was a ten million dollar budget, and I read in another place that it was a nineteen million dollar budget. But either way, the box office was only eight point two million. Oh, brutal! So,
0: Eat both of those numbers, ten or nineteen, I mean, seem like they got a lot done. With that amount of money, yeah, I'm pretty
1: sure Wikipedia said it was 10 million, but then I read somewhere else, maybe IMDb, that it was 19 million, and nine million of that went to the special effects or something. Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could, I think, I really do think it
1: looks great. Special effects in this movie by Tony Gardner and company. Uh, he worked on Darkman and Army of Darkness, and he also designed and or built the helmets for Daft Punk. Oh, no shit. Yeah.
0: Oh, huh. nice. I can dig it. Whatever, however, they pull off most of the gelatinous, the blob shots looks pretty good. I
1: be- so. I listen to so many like podcasts and horror movie podcasts and things that I, at this point, don't remember which one it is. Uh, it could have been an episode of Shockwaves a couple years ago, it could have been an episode of Mick Garris's uh, uh, postmortem. Mm -hmm. But Tony Gardner I heard an interview with him on one of those shows and he talked in detail about how they achieved the blob uh, for the majority of the scenes where it's like a solid thing and what they ended up doing I don't fully understand how this works but they had silk like a a sheer silk that was like semi-transparent and it was purple or pink. And they sewed little pockets onto it and filled all the pockets with a food thickening agent called methylcellulose, which is like naturally like goopy and gummy, I guess. And like when it was this big, solid, shiny, slick, wet mass, like you couldn't see all the seams. And then I guess they painted on like all the veins and stuff. And oh. that was, like, a physical thing that was very heavy because it was, like, mostly water-based, but they could manipulate it and, like, drop it from the ceiling on people. And Oh, wow. Uh, they referred to it as the blob quilt. <laughs> nice. That's a, I know what I'm getting you for next Christmas. <laughs> but, yeah, there were obviously a lot of different techniques that they utilized mm-hmm. in the movie, but that's, like, the main way that apparently they achieved the
0: blob it's that movie Magic Baby. Yeah.
1: Kevin Dillon, okay, is the male lead. Uh Shawnee Smith, I like in this of particular
0: note. She is a fucking great screamer. <laughs> I was gonna say, she I know she has like a title of like one of the scream queens, and yeah. she is very deserving. When she walks in on Paul in the, oh, the hospital god.
1: and so she good. just screams his name, oh my god, it's like fucking sp- Bind tingling, <laughs> it it's really like is. the camera zooms in on her. You haven't seen what she's seeing yet. The look on her face and that scream mm-hmm. oh, it's so good! Yeah. That just makes that
0: scene even better. Yeah, I know. I think it's great. I think you know, she does the like really the heavy lifting. I think Kevin Dillon, is uh, kind of one note, as well, yes. I guess he the character is, anyways. But yeah, she she makes it,
1: I think, for sure. Yeah, she's definitely the
0: lead. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so, like, the guy who plays the preacher, his name is Del Close, which when I read that, I was like, is that the same guy that I've heard about on, like, every comedy podcast I've ever listened to? So this dude was an actor, but he was also, like, a teacher, and he taught, like, improv classes uh, as, like, his main gig. And I've listened to enough, you know, there's a billion podcasts out there hosted by comedians where it's just, like, the same... You know, 30 comedians go on each other's podcasts all the time. Mm -hmm. And they've all inevitably talked about Del Close. Really? Yeah, because he was like... If you look on his Wikipedia, there's like a fucking laundry list of people who took his classes and learned how to do Mm. like improv and comedy timing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Dan Aykroyd and just a ton of other people. But um, he apparently, like an early acting gig for him was in the in the sequel to the original blob called beware of the blob. He had a bit part as a hobo wearing an eye patch. And <laughs> so they decided to put him in this. And at the end, when he gets his face burned, he's the preacher with an eye patch. Nice. And then the other person that jumped out at me, like I didn't even notice, but Bill Mosley from like uh Texas chainsaw massacre Two, And he was in uh, one of our do the herky jerky movies, uh, <laughs> The one that had almost no, there was almost more Terminator than like yep. mech suit. Mm-hmm. He is the soldier that's with them in the sewer. I didn't even catch that. Oh, I do. Okay, but yeah, uh, I didn't catch that either. But he looked familiar. The deputy who gets folded in half—that's the dude who gets dude melted by RoboCop. toxic waste in Robocop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Phil, Paul McCrane. Gotta love it. I thought that was cool. Yeah, big fan. Yeah. Big fan of your work, sir. <laughs> I mean, he gets folded in half and melted, so. Yeah, it's amazing. He's grandfathered in, in my book. <laughs> Same here. See, so, yeah, this is also, I mean, I've talked about it before, uh, like, way back when we talked about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I think I even referenced this movie as another, and probably Critters as well. Like, I just love, like, a small town or a secluded area being attacked by some thing, usually from outer space yep. and the totally. small town folks and half not believing what's happening and having to deal with it. Mm-hmm. This is just like my kind of movie. The special yeah. effects are awesome. It's just a fun time. It It's yeah. like, it doesn't take itself super seriously and it's nope. definitely having a
0: little fun with itself, but the production value is like just as at the level it should be for me for 88. Yeah. Great kills, great effects. Like, Love this movie as a kid didn't see it actually for a long time until a couple of years back i think it was like on tubi or something and i i watched it for the first time in a long time and i was like really pumped that it was still as good as i remembered <laughs> yeah which is always a plus so mm-hmm. yeah actually there's a good amount of uh special f- features on the shell factory blu-ray so i need to watch those yeah i think
1: i watched them back when i first got that release mm-hmm. but uh so yeah i'll be
0: checking those out but yeah solid time the blob I mean, the blob love it let's talk these posties all right let's do it
1: uh i mean we already talked about the things poster and the story behind it but i mean it's f- fucking
0: iconic at this point i mean it is it is classic and amazing <sighs> just uh you know any anytime juice and Gets his paint on. I mean, especially when you got the backstory of how and how good it is and how it fits the movie so well. I mean, it's like this is such a cool, simple image.
1: And just imagine if he had seen the movie and had like weeks to work on it, like it might have turned into one of his like montages with like tons of great likenesses mm-hmm. or whatever. But like mm-hmm. just the situation that brought this poster about, I mean, it's. It's so good. Like sure, there's probably even better Drew and posters that could have been made for the thing, but like this is a perfect poster.
0: Just it is perfect.
1: Like I I just feel like, you know, time has told the tale of how great this yeah. poster is. It's such an iconic, yeah. recognizable image. Everybody knows it. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, the only thing that would make it better is that other tagline. Yeah,
1: man is the warmest place to that, hide.
0: That is it. But no,
1: I love it. Yeah, I even I have the uh, novelization that came out back when the movie did, and even that has the original tagline on it. But that's probably because I think typically the novelization will come out before the movie does, mm-hmm. a lot of times. But I've uh, I remember reading that as well, and it does have scenes that are not in the movie because since the movie, you know, the book had to be written like before the movie was finished. Mm-hmm. With, just like a lot of movies Like the uh, the novelization for the original Alien Has scenes in it that aren't in the movie Because they're working oh, off no the way. original script Oh gotcha So that's always fun So like Nalls' death is in the book But not the movie mm-hmm. But Nice I digress mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: The stuff Cool iconic memorable image for me
0: For sure It looks like the title of the movie is Warning that's probably my only thing. I love the the bit of artwork, the idea of it. It's just, I don't know, all that wall of text on the left with the warning. Yep. I don't know. It could just it could s- still be sold with just the name and that great image.
1: Yeah, this feels like a uh, overcomplication because they were, you know, trying to sell it as a horror movie, even though they knew that's not what it was, or
0: something. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to think. Yeah, we were like. Very curious, like, what was the thought at the time, too, of, like, what was delivered and did they have to market it in this certain way? I don't know, but. Yeah. I mean, if it
1: was me, like, I I like that painting. It's a cool image with the stuff coming out mm-hmm. of the guy's eyes and his mouth. If, it like, I don't love that logo for the title. I kind of wish it was just the logo from the product packaging totally and it'd be nice if there was a little bit of that like purple color scheme on this but again i'll bet you anything that they were like that title logo or that logo from the package isn't scary we want people to think this is a horror movie right
0: which is too bad because it would have helped it would have in my eyes would sell the idea of what the movie actually is that much better if you had like this goofy product yeah logo i mean there's been some
1: great artwork for this thing over the years like there's There's a painting, I don't know if it was for like a release or just like a poster or something where it's like a refrigerator. It's like a dark kitchen with a refrigerator door sitting open and like the light from the fridge is illuminating the room. And I think there's like a couple of people like crawling on the ground with the the stuff all over them or something. It's like a Mm -hmm. very cool image as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been a ton of different art for this movie over the years. Even like the Arrow version that I have has brand new artwork as well. Yeah. But yeah, just the 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 painting itself is quite good. Yep, good image. Mm-hmm. And then the blob. I gotta be honest, I've never liked this, just because it looks like someone laying in soap suds or something. It doesn't
0: look like the blob. Yeah, it's not blobby enough. It feels kind of generic. I'm glad it's got the the color. Yeah, but it's got two. It's got two friggin' taglines where it doesn't need them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Scream Now while there's still room to breathe, and then Terror Has No Shape. And one's on top of the title, and the other's Mm -hmm. on the bottom of it. (laughs) I mean, Terror
0: Has No Shape is perfect. Like, the other one is stupid. I don't know why they do that. But I think you kind of nailed it. Like, it doesn't... This doesn't look like a blob to me at all. Yeah, it it
1: looks like they got a sheet of glass and poured some, like, soap suds on it, Mm -hmm. put a purple light behind it, and then put a woman on top and a camera underneath of it. It just it doesn't look like a pile of goo has come for you it looks like you're laying in yeah water
0: it's it's not
1: terrible but yeah they 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 blew it yeah like even if it was more exploitative and it was like a decaying body or something i mean it would be better just any, yeah just Yes, this is not it. But. Yeah, like, this really does. Like, I even, like, after I saw this, I was like, is this really the original poster? And I went looking around, and it definitely looks like it is. But it almost looks too modern to me. This looks like it would be from some shitty, like, 2002
0: Bare Bones Blu-ray release. Yeah, it's or funny DVD you said that. Relays. I, I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, is this just a before it's time in some funny way? Because <laughs> in a bad way? It, yeah, it feels it feels newer than 88, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh I guess the the idea, the the prompt for it is good, but the execution is not. Very good way to put it. Alright, Millsy baby, break it down for the people. The thing
1: is uh five assorted alien appendages growing out of someone's midsection. Mm-hmm. I mean it's great. That's great. Time honored.
0: Mm-hmm
1: stuff It's always tough with these ones where, like, there's a really cool painting that's a part of it, but then everything else is a mess. Because it's like, I want to give props to the painting, but the poster overall is kind of what I'm judging, and yeah. it's not great on the whole. So, I don't know. I guess bad design, good painting, give it a three. Uh, three spoonfuls of delicious shaving cream. Mm. Yum. And, yeah, the blob... You you said it perfect, like good concept, bad execution. It's not like the most hideous thing I've ever seen. I would give yeah. it uh, two uh, two eyeballs dissolving out of uh, the Ooh. sheriff's face. Oh, eye stuff. <laughs> yeah. As long as I'm not being stabbed in the eyes, I'm, oh, I, I okay. don't
0: have as much of a problem. Fair, fair. I agree completely. Great work as always.
1: <laughs> Bye, borrow burn I feel like I... I knew this going in My opinion hasn't changed I know exactly where I stand Hit it Buying the thing It's like a perfect movie for me I I could say With 100% confidence It is my second favorite movie of all time So Then coming in At number two In the borrow category Is going to be The Blob Awesome special effects Just a lot of fun uh, and my burn unfortunately is going to be the stuff which, like I said, I have huge nostalgia for. I like the movie despite the fact that it is objectively not very good. But just based on like pure quality of the like the film and the filmmaking, it's easily the weakest of the three. I wouldn't begrudge anybody saying that they like it more than say the Blob, if that's just your kind of movie. And in a, in a manner of speaking, it is my kind of movie. But mm-hmm. I mean for me personally it's just it's not as good as the blob so it <laughs> yeah. is my burn
0: for me uh mills total agreement i'll just come out and say it Bye bar and burn same for me the thing is the thing uh it is in my top three favorite movies of all time i love it i continue to love it i will watch it every year at least once until the end of time hmm. uh, the blob i'm actually a huge fan of the blob always have been as i've talked and i'm glad that it holds up so much for me it's just fun not perfect but total fun great sci-fi um this stuff i have a lot of nostalgia for as well can say now as an adult that it's it's uh rough in a lot of spots it's like uh it's like a movie i love but it also sucks but that's okay because it's also great which doesn't make any fucking sense but yeah
1: I mean, that's a good way to describe every Larry Cohen movie I've seen. (laughs) Like, God Told Me To, fun idea, very lo-fi, kind of shitty, but kind of awesome at the Mm -hmm. same time. Cue the Winged Serpent, same thing. Just, he would shoot for the goddamn fences regardless of his budget. Like, Cue the Winged Serpent is about a giant dragon that nests in the top of the Chrysler building. And mm-hmm. he didn't have a fucking single permit to film in New York City.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> like again, it's just like that's movie magic. Like you
1: kind of grade the grade them on the curve a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just goes. And then it's alive, like the movie about the killer baby, like oh. just such crazy fucking ideas. And he just yeah. went for it. And...
0: Yeah, yeah. It is. Hilarious. Many Larry Cole movies, great, but also suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then the guy wrote fucking phone booth. I know it's like, jeez, what a career. Yeah, well, yeah, Melzy, we agree, baby. I had a feeling that would happen. I wasn't sure. I gotta be honest. I knew thing would be the thing, but I I was like kind of curious uh, how hot because you know I've been I've been with you many times over the years where you're rocking us a, a shirt from the stuff, <laughs> but we've we have also talked about how much we love the Blob. So I was I was curious. Without seeing the stuff in so long, you know, it was more of a toss-up. I was pretty much leaning that you were going to go the way you did after watching all three, but you know, you never know. Yeah, because again the the lightning in the bottle that the stuff is is definitely uh, it's a bit of a curveball.
1: One other thing that just occurred to me, speaking of the stuff, is I I read rumors when I was researching this one for the show. Mm-hmm. That uh, Larry Cohen's original cut of the film before the studio got a hold of it was discovered in 2021. Oh, if that's true, I will definitely do the old triple dip and buy it again because I would love to see it. Same. I don't know if it would be an improvement because I understand the studio's like feelings there, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I would. I mean, more of fucking Michael Moriarty is Mo. Give it to I me. I mean, yeah,
0: that would make me want to see it too. So,
1: again, right there with you. You know why people call me Mo? Because every time <laughs> someone gives me money, I want Mo. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> our, ki- our King Mo. Oh, he's so good, that guy. He just so fucking good. charisma out the wazoo. Oh. Like, he
0: is such a sarcastic, smarmy bastard in this. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh. So of course he's into international espionage. <laughs> oh Mills, what can we possibly be watching next? I'm not sure, but we have two
1: hundred and thirty six options.
0: Two thirty six. Oh high numbers. 167, Millsy. 167. 167. Hmm.
1: 167 uh for next episode episode 79 is going to be musically challenged.
0: Now for something different.
1: <laughs> yep. Definitely going in a little bit of a different direction. Mhm. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, this is going to this this should be fun. <laughs>
0: this will be fun.
1: Very good. One of these 3 I've been wanting to rewatch for a very long time. Oh.
0: You know, one of these I've seen at least A dozen times and have enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure which one you're uh, talking about, but we shall see.
1: Yeah. Very good. In three weeks. In three weeks. Until then, I'm Joe Daxberger. And I'm Ryan Miller. You gotta be fucking kidding.